The Chronicles of Vladimir Todd, the Ninth Grade Slayer, Chapter 15, Where the Heart Is. Vlad sat up in bed and stretched. He was in no hurry to place his feet on the chilly floor, but it was his last day in Siberia, in Alicia, and if he stayed in bed, he'd never go home. He and Vikas had spent several long days inside the dark and silent room, and Vlad had opened up the possibilities that mind control, when used with honorable purpose, could be a handy skill to possess. In the room, he was great at it. Vlad once made Tristan take a break from his duties, and much to Vikas's bemusement, he made one of the vampires burst into song. But it was hard work, not to mention exhausting. Plus, it was almost impossible for him to control anyone's mind outside, once outside of the training room. When he told Vikas about having Having made Henry pick his nose once, Vicus explained that a drudge is the easiest person for a vampire to control, after he stopped laughing, of course. His telepathy was coming along fabul fabulously as well. He and Otis engaged in long conversations at night near the hearth, where Otis recounted tales of Vlad's father. Vlad was learning so much about a man <clears throat> that he really hadn't known that well. And through those stories, he was learning more about Otis as well. Cringing at Cringing at the cold floor, Vlad stood and dressed quickly. You'd think that after a week in one of the old, coldest places on earth, he'd adjust, but apparently not. He shivered once and reached for his hoodie. He opened the door to the main room, and Tristan met him with a goblet of blood wine. Vlad nodded his thanks and sighed into the cup. He was really tired of spiced blood. He was, what he really wanted was a nice warm mug of o, of o positive and a side of fresh chocolate chip cookies. Otis stood by the front door, brushing snow from his coat. We should leave soon, Vlad. A storm is blowing in, and Vikas said that if it gets to us before we make it down the mountain, we'll have a long winter season in Siberia ahead of us. Vlad yawned. Can I finish my breakfast first? Otis nod, nodded. Vlad looked to the fireplace. The logs had grown cold. The room was empty except for him, Otis, and Tristan. After a silent moment, Otis cleared his throat. Most of them had gone to bed Vicus is out running with the wolves. He said he'd be back in time to see us off. Vlad drained his goblet and sat on the nearby table. He's running with the wolves. Otis waved his hand in the air as if it were obvious what Vicus was up to. One of the intricacies of anamorphing is spending so much time with an animal that you understand their desires, their thought processes. Then he smirked and handed Vlad his coat. Besides, he likes to chase foxes. Vlad slipped his coat on, zipped it, and stomped into his boots. Anamorphing? That was something the book hadn't mentioned. In fact, the book had only really covered history and laws, leaving out all the cool stuff, as if any vampire should be aware of those things automatically. Of course, Vlad mused, he wasn't just any vampire. Just outside the door, Vicus greeted them breathlessly. His eyes sparkled sadly at, old, at Otis. Too, too bad about that storm. It's been an, an eternity since I saw you last. Otis pursed his lips. I can't stay, but I do hope you'll at least reconsider my request. We are old friends, Vicus. If I can't count on you, who can I count on? Vicus held Otis's gaze, then nodded and patted him roughly on the shoulder. He turned to Vlad. You are one of my finest students. Keep practicing and stay with your student studies. Be safe, Malinky Dival. We will meet again someday. I am sure of it. Otis stepped onto the sled. Vlad watched Vikas walk away into the blowing snow. I've decided I like that nickname. Otis cleared his throat and pulled goggles down over his eyes, but it was too late. 
Vlad had already spotted his tears. It suits you. Vicus's pet name for Thomas was Dival. Devil. So I suppose it's his way of saying that you're a smaller version of your father. Vlad took his seat on the sled, but he didn't pull the blanket up to his nose. The wind was blowing all around. The temperature had dropped to a chill rivaling last night's. But Vlad was warm with the memory of his father and the fact that a Russian stranger had seen Thomas within him. The sled raced down the mountain, past trees, wildlife, and snow. By the time they turned the dogs over to, to Dmitri, took a cab to the airport, and boarded the plane, Vlad was exhausted, and Otis was tense. The relaxation of being in an Alasia washing away from him with every passing moment. Vlad flashed him a smile. Thanks for taking me to meet Vicus. He was pretty cool. He cares a great deal for you already, Vlad. I'm glad you enjoyed his company. Vlad ran the tip of his tongue slowly over his chapped lips and said, He told me about the Pravis. Otis's entire body went rigid with tense, with tension. Did he? Despite Otis's tone, it wasn't a question. Vlad unbuckled and turned to face his uncle. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, me? Some evil conqueror. I don't think so. But I was wondering. Well, Vlad fidgeted. He wanted to know what Otis thought, but at the same time, he didn't. Otis met his eyes. You're wondering if I think you're the Pravis? Vlad nodded and held Otis's gaze. Otis shook his head, his expression gravely serious. No, I do not believe you are the Pravis, Vladimir. You have too much of your father in you, and Thomas was a good man. Vlad searched his uncle's eyes and found nothing but truth within them. The question is, do you think you're the Pravis? Otis's voice was calm and questioning inside Vlad's mind. Vlad took a moment to mull over his opinion and then spoke to Otis with his thoughts. No, I don't. But if I was, would it matter? A pretty flight attendant leaned over Vlad and handed Otis a cup of coffee. Otis smiled at her and took a polite sip. Of course not. Besides, it's just a silly superstition. Vlad tried to meet Otis's eyes, but Otis focused on his coffee and the conversation was over. After... After hours of planes, baggage crowds, rushing, and Otis losing his keys, they were finally in Otis's hunk of junk car and barreling towards Bathory. At last, Otis turned the wheel and pulled into Nellie's driveway. He met Vlad's eyes with a smile. Happy to be home? Kind of. Tired, hungry more than anything. Otis opened the door, his car door, and stepped out. Vlad followed. He was about to ask Otis if he planned on sticking around for a few days when he noticed a flash of pink out of the corner of his eye. Meredith was walking up the driveway with his jacket draped over her arm. She smiled brightly and said, Hi, Vlad. Oh, hello, Mr. Otis. Otis removed the heavier suitcase from the trunk and smiled. Hello, Meredith. How are you doing? Meredith shrugged. Can't complain. Miss having you as a teacher, though. Vlad's cheek grew very warm at the memory of Meredith's kiss. When he thought about how he'd blurted out that he liked her and how warm her lips had been in the freezing cold, he couldn't speak. His heart had returned to his throat, intent on choking him into silence. I assure you, there are better teachers than I at Bathory High. To Vlad, Otis looked like a lifeguard to a drowning man as Otis took Vlad's coat from Meredith's outstretched hand. Thank you so much for returning Vladimir's jacket. I imagine he appreciates it greatly. Vlad managed a nod. His entire face felt as it had been engulfed in flames. Meredith and Otis exchanged pleasantries before Meredith turned and walked away. After she did, Otis handed Vlad the jacket with a smirk. Charm, Vladimir, requires a voice. Nellie stepped out onto the porch, wrapped snugly in her coat. I was wondering when you boys would get here. Staying for dinner, Otis? 
Otis handed Vlad one of the bags and smiled warmly up at Nellie. All traces of tension vanished. I wouldn't dream of missing it, Nellie. With a blush, Nellie went back inside. Vlad shook his head and rolled his eyes, but he couldn't help but smile. You like her, don't you, Otis? Otis looked jarred for a moment. He kept his attention on the front door as if weighing how much he should reveal to Vlad. It was a pitiful sight as Vlad already knew the answer. Otis sighed and ran a hand, and ran a hand through his hair in defeat. Yes. Vlad lugged a bag toward the porch, still smiling. He cast a hopeful glance over his shoulder at Otis. So does that mean you'll be around more? Otis set the bag he was carrying on the porch and offered Vlad a somber look. No, it does not. Vlad's smile slipped in disappointment. A romance with Nellie is forbidden for me. You know that. It's unfortunate. He glanced up at the house and back to Vlad. But unavoidable. Besides, Elysia has enough reasons to place a price on my head. Is that why you stay away? Vlad dropped his bag on the porch and turned to Otis, an accusing look in his eye. I only stay away in order to seek assistance for my hour predicament, Vlad. I would do anything to protect you from harm. Vlad shrugged. Couldn't you protect me better if you were closer? The crease in Otis's forehead deepened. He looked angry, but Vlad wasn't sure why. Suffice it to say that I have bled for your well-being, Vladimir, and I will gladly do so again. Vlad nodded, his curiosity satisfied for the moment. Will we ever be able to be together like a family? Perhaps one day, Otis sighed. Once the council elects a new president, things could change. But as the death of a president is so unlikely, it is also something that the council isn't well prepared for. It may be a year. It may be ten. It may be a hundred years. With any luck, the new president will be sympathetic to our plight. And until then, I run from them and keep my distance from you. Otis offered a troubled frown. I'm sorry, Vladimir. It's just the way things are for now. Vlad sighed. So, I'm on my own? Not entirely. We'll still have letters, and if you're able to reach the distance, we can continue to communicate with our thoughts. Otis grabbed the larger suitcase and headed up the steps to the door. After a moment, Vlad followed. Nellie already had their plates filled with delicious, warm steaks, dripping with blood. Vlad took a swig of B-negative from his glass and listened as Otis relayed details of their trip. Well, not details, not really. Otis carefully omitted that they'd stayed with other vampires and that Vlad had learned that there were vampires who believed he was some demon-like beast come to reign over vampire kind. Vlad was thankful for, the, for that, at least. But he did speak lovingly of the countryside and of how much he'd enjoyed the trip. Vlad wondered if Otis was trying to reassure him that he cared, but there was no need. He knew his uncle cared for him. How could he go through hours on a dog sled through Siberia just to seek out protection and tutoring for somebody he did not care for them? After dinner and after whispered two close goodbyes with Nellie, Otis slipped his top hat onto his head and walked her out to the car. Minutes later, Nellie drove in the direction of the hospital for yet another double shift, and Vlad moved down the steps toward Otis. When will I see you again? In all honesty, I don't know, but I hope it's soon, Otis hugged him and slid into the driver's seat. He looked up at Vlad with a wrinkled brow. If you have any troubles, call for me with your mind. If I don't respond, write me. And should you encounter the Slayer, my best advice is to block that stake. They favor those. And run as fast as you can. Vlad sighed. That's your best advice? Otis chuckled. Sadly, yes. The Lucius has no effect on humans. You'll do fine. Just lay low. He may leave without discovering you. Most slayers are poorly paid and easily distracted. 
bubbling fools, a lot of them. He pulled the car door shut and after two attempts to start it, backed onto the road and drove off down the street. Vlad stayed where he was and watched the taillights of Otis's car shrink in the distance. He missed his uncle already. It was still late afternoon and the sun had yet to set. Across the street, Mr. Templeton was shoveling snow from the sidewalk and tossing it onto his snow-blanketed yard. Several elementary school kids were building a snow fort two houses down and filling the air with blissful laughter. Mr. Jenkins's, Jenkins, the mailman, walked by and offered Vlad a nod as he shoved a small pile of letters into the mailbox. Vlad watched them all with a distant curiosity. As he turned his head back to the direction Otis had driven, he noticed a man standing across the street, staring directly at him. At first, Mir Vlad merely raised his eyebrows. He wasn't a teacher. Vlad was almost certain. And he knew pretty much everyone in Bath Bathory, if only by face. He watched... He watched the man watching him and tilted his head to the side, wondering where he'd seen this man before. The man stepped forward and halfway across the street. He broke into a run, and then it hit Vlad. It was the man who'd been standing across the, the street that night after Vlad had left the belfry. The one Vlad felt certain was the slayer. Everything but the man and Vlad slowed to a crawl. He blinked as the slayer approached and Vlad threw his arms up to block the stake he was sure the slayer had behind his back. He backed away as fast as he could. The laughter of the kids down the street sounded like a slow, muffled recording, and Mr. Templeton was shoveling at a tenth of the speed he'd been. There was no time to run. The slayer was moving faster than sound. The man, op the man opened his mouth wide, exposing glistening white fangs. Vlad dropped his arms in confusion. Fangs? A searing pain lit up Vlad's neck as the vampire bit into his artery. Vlad felt a sudden ache tear through him as the blood was sucked from his veins. He gasped, more surprised than scared, and forgot to fight back. Vlad watched his neighbors moving in that weird slow motion that had overtaken him. Why couldn't they see the vampire attacking him? The answer was simple. Some vampires were apparently gifted with the ability to move so fast that humans couldn't see. Huh? That wasn't in the book. He'd have to remember that trick the next time Bill and Tom came around. If there was a next time. The vampire pulled away and withdrew a glass tube from his jacket's inside pocket and spit a mouthful of Vlad's blood into it and caped it with a cork. Vlad clutched his neck, suddenly very woozy and still lacking the urge to fight. He wondered if that was an effect of being drunk from so deeply. He pushed weakly with his thoughts to call for Otis, but he could barely focus on his uncle's name. He forced his attention back to his attacker. Who are you? The vampire smirked. I am Jacek. Vlad's head, head swam. He was dying. Holy crap, he was dying. And it was the vampire who was killing him. He stumbled, dizzy from blood loss, but tried hard not to fall over into the freshly fallen snow. Are you, are you going to kill me, Jacek? Jacek's metallic laughter filled Vlad's ears. No, little one, I am no killer. There are laws, remember? I am but a thief. He held up the vial for Vlad to see and then slipped it into his jacket pocket. Blood squeezed out from between Vlad, Vlad's fingers. His wound was taking its time to heal. What was that chemical mosquitoes used to keep blood flowing from their victims? He'd just read about it in science class. Anticoagulant. Mr. Gaunt would be proud. Jacek? Vlad wavered and finally collapsed on the ground. He thought he asked his attacher, Do you feel bad? 
before he passed out, but he couldn't be certain. What he did know was that he heard Jasek's laughter again and watched his footprints in the snow as he walked away.